They teach you not to substitute words for action, not to seek the path of comfort, but to face the stress and spur of difficulty and challenge. Since we're, since we're not quite going yet, what is the story? I actually don't, I mean, I, I know of the ship. So it was the Civil War. Yeah. It's North like and South. Who, who, oh, it's just North and South. Yeah, battling it out, man. Really? And, and there was no winner, apparently. Well, each side said there's a winner, but yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it lasted for days. I didn't realize that was the Civil War. Yeah. So, 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 I mean, there's a ship I thought in that the was World War I. has sails. So, we, yeah. <laughs> if you were going to Rich, do you guys have to drive 95 to get to? So, yeah. when you do you go over, did you come over the Hampton Roach Bridge Tunnel or the, the Monitor tunnel? Merrimack? There was yeah. a tunnel we went through. I don't know so what it was. So, there's two, they run parallel. One's yeah. the Hampton Roach Bridge Tunnel and one's the Monitor Merrimack. Um, Hampton Road sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, HRBT is what they call it. But, uh, yeah, it's neat. Neat, man. Yeah, that's Neat history. Crazy. You should watch that movie. Um, what is that? Sahara or something like that with um, what's his face? Uh, the dude with the no shirt on. Harry, <laughs> Harry Ma- Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, yeah, Matthew yeah. McConaughey. That was <laughs> an obscure. That was an obscure <laughs> reference. Yes, it was. <laughs> with the no yeah. shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so no what about guy. Sahara? They. He references Ironclad in that. Well, he, like, discovers it, doesn't he? Like, in the well, desert. Well, he discovers, like, an old one filled with um, old coins, old gold coins. Yeah, from, like, and it, like, explodes or something. Yeah. I remember if, if he's in yeah. it, it's a great film. Are we rolling? Okay, we'll, we'll just keep talking, and we'll do the intro later. Cool. But, um, anyway, yeah, that was I, – I enjoyed the, the shooting. I, I thought it was fun. I think uh, Skyler, he's the man. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you guys are going to leave here now and yep. tell your wives why you're going to come yeah. back with an arsenal. Yeah, buy all the guns and <laughs> buy solar panels so we can be totally off grid. You have to join the military first, yeah. as we learned. <laughs> yeah. Because Apparently, you I seen to go buy them on the street because that's totally legal. Yeah. yeah. Just buy them from some guy and then it's fine. Yeah, you but. can buy them off Craigslist. <laughs> you just can't buy them At from a, a store. store. Yeah. yeah, you're good. All right. Yeah. Uh, you guys are, because you're in the country a little bit, right? A little bit, yeah. We both are. That's cool. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you would think. I'm going to start. Do you what do you, what do you call it? A monitor company. If you had to put a name to it, what would you say? Oh, I hate that. Yeah. No, it's like every time it's I try to explain question. what I do to somebody, it takes like five paragraphs. Or I'm just like, I'm in electronics. I don't really want to explain it because it's people don't. It's amazing how few people actually understand that. A, there's a cameras actually film the stuff you watch on TV. Most people think it's like magic or something. I don't know, like unicorns film it. I don't know, but like, um, and then there, and then you try to explain. Okay, well, those cameras that shoot stuff. Well, we make things that go on top or around the camera that help people judge what's happening through the camera lens. And they're like. Oh, but they have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. It really depends on who you're talking <laughs> to, whether it's somebody that's familiar with a camera or not. Yeah. Um, and I'm somebody doing that's this. not, it's just so much harder to explain what it is. And I've been doing this for almost 10 years, and I think it's like one out of 10 or 15 actually get it. You know, I've explained it hundreds of times, and I haven't really gotten good at it. I don't I mean, what would you call it? Monitor company? Yeah. Field monitor, on camera monitor Pretty company? Accurate. I mean, that, yeah. So displays. so let's say we call it a monitor company. Sure. That's not something, especially being from the southeast, that you can just say, snap, let's start it. I mean, you, you have to find um, sourcing. You have to find people that can do the tech. I mean, how, how did that come about? Yeah. it's uh, It just started with um, me and my partner, Wes. Just, we did a lot of video stuff through high school, and we both had a shared interest in it. Um, and after high school, we neither of us knew what we wanted to do. We were just like, oh, we don't want to go to college because we don't even know what we want to do. We like new videos. Let's just keep doing that. Um, and I had a couple of jobs in between, you know, to pay the bills and stuff. But we started this little production company called Five Point Productions. And um, uh, it, it was in his dad's basement. We built this little office, basically the size of this room. Um, and uh, and we just started cold calling out of the basement, trying to find jobs and and um you know and, and during that time we were always trying to increase our production value this is this is before the 5D Mark II this is really like when that really awkward phase of the digital revolution where you could either 
spend good money on a film camera, have it look good, or go digital and it would look like crap unless you had again a ton of money. Um, and uh, and so we were we were running this hacked HV20. I don't know if anyone remembers the HV20. That was like kind of this weird anomaly where Canon made this little handy cam basically that could shoot 24p natively, but it was this like hacky 24p and it had a decent decent color but it was still dv it used many dv tapes and uh and uh that was during the days of 35 millimeter adapters you guys remember that at all yeah yeah 35 millimeter adapters red rock micro made one it was pretty popular um and uh and yeah it's like where you basically put a 35 millimeter lens onto this adapter the adapter onto the camera and then the lens projects an image on this ground glass is either spinning or vibrating and then the sensor the camera sensor actually focuses on that image it gives you the enhanced depth of field and then we built this custom computer uh that was um to record the uncompressed hdmi out the hv20 because hv20 also had an hdmi output that would send the uncompressed video so instead of that mini dv compression that was terrible we get the it was like 120 megabytes a second uh hd video um, 420 still, but or maybe it was 422 at that point. I don't know. Anyway, we built this fast rated hard drive computer that could record you on compressed video. We had this giant rig now, this tiny little consumer camera at the heart of it. Um, and uh, so we started shooting with that. And, it, <laughs> and again, just trying to, no money, just trying to get a good looking image. And, um, and uh, yeah, so we were just always scrapping together stuff in the basement, you know, building dollies, building cranes and jibs and whatever I, we were trying to do this one shot where uh we had to we had a dolly that i built and we wanted it to go do like the same kind of what you do is like a motion control rig for now right do the same motion over and over again so you can like do superimpositions and stuff like that um and so i got an electric drill and i rigged it up to the thing and that's how we like we're doing these repeated motions always always hacking stuff together and um and we just at the, we ran into the need to have a monitor that could display the HDMI feed from the camera and then switch over to a VGA feed from the computer to hit record because that was basically the recorder and um, and nothing existed and if it did exist I think there were a couple things they were super way more than the budget of our entire setup and um, at the time I was actually uh, had this hobby of building homemade projectors using basically harvested LCDs and controller boards and lights and plywood and, and a bunch of stuff. And, uh, and I was like, you know, I mean, it wouldn't be that hard to find an LCD out of a laptop and find a circuit board for it. And, and, and they had these that had HDMI and VGA inputs. And so we decided to hack something together. And, uh, again, born out of the basement was this Frankenstein thing we called the 12. It was a 12 inch 720p display. And, um, and we used it for our productions for a long time. And this is before small HD was really even a consideration or a thought. It was just uh, we needed equipment to make our stuff. Does the 12 still live on? Yeah. yeah. I think you have one, don't you? I have one on my desk, yeah. Yeah, it works. You got like mm -hmm. a small HD museum. Yeah, yeah. we do. Yeah, it's I, it's I, actually I on his desk. Yeah. Yeah, he has the 12, which was like, it was all made out of uh, bent aluminum sheet metal. Like it was, it's all like very sharp and jagged, and it's terrible. It's all glued together. It's like because uh, we because we had no, we have no formal training in mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, anything. We've neither of us have been in college, and um, and so yeah, we just we just what we knew how to do was make stuff out of metal. So we you know made stuff out of metal, and that was a monitor, uh, and. Uh, took like eight hours to build the thing because it, it was just so kludgy. Everything had to be, every fastener went into a rivet nut that we had to install ourselves. And there were like 40 rivet nuts in this assembly. So we had this little gun we bought. And they would go and cockeye sometimes. And once you do it, it's, that part's in the trash because you, anyway. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so the 12 was our, was our first baby. Nice. Man, what a story. So I'm going to do a quick intro based on that and then we're going to go into to more stuff so guys we are live at the ironclad compound we have small hd in the house earlier today we were shooting guns we've got mexican food uh we got to play with some new toys uh we have dale and dave in the house here uh dale founder co-founder co-founder mm -hmm. And Dave, CTO, correct? No. <laughs> Not even close. What, 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 what's your What's your role, Dave, Dave? Dave is like my my left arm. Like he's he's does all the mechanical design, basically of everything. 
which is what I used to do. Now he does it, but we have a very close collaboration. I'm technically the CTO and co-founder. Got it. Um, I control the vision of the of the technology and the and the roadmaps and all that kind of stuff. And I and I direct the team that builds the stuff. And Dave is key on that on that development team. Yeah, I'm usually the first person that gets all the new ideas. Yeah. And I try to take what's in his brain and put it on a computer for him to see so that he can validate his idea here, you know? Yeah. So I, I usually send him an email in the middle of the night saying, Dave, I, I have this idea. I need you to do this, 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 this. And then I'll come in and he'll have it on the computer. And I say, I hate it. And yeah. then, uh, and then I'll have to start over again. <laughs> nice. Well, you you, you also have a new title. The fastest gunslinger. Yeah, yeah, yeah fastest. Gun I'm going to add that to my gun on your business card on my signature to my email. Next to yeah, we had a contest. We did a we did a course this morning, and uh, it was what a three hour course. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we we wrapped it with a little contest, and you yeah. you reigned victorious. I didn't I know it was a contest all. at the time. All right. He I said he said it evolved. Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought it was just like we were having some fun. If I knew it was a contest, and I was going to turn. Well, into having bragging. fun oh. and winning is yeah. the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, we saw that you guys, when you did that last promo piece, you were shooting guns at your pieces. Well, I think you caught them on fire, different things. So we figured you guys would be game for that. The fire was my idea. Yeah. They were like shooting stuff. And then on my way packing up, I was like, man, I'm pretty sure coffee creamer like <laughs> catches on fire if you aerate it. So that's what happened. I got like a can of... Um, Quaker Oats oatmeal and emptied it out. <laughs> Bought a bunch of powdered creamer and stuffed it in there. Stuck an air hose to it with a blowtorch on the other end. It was like, <laughs> wow. So one really thing about nice. Dave is he's he's um, Filipino. He's half Filipino. Yeah. He lived in the Philippines until he was eighteen, um, but he's basically a Filipino MacGyver. Yeah. So like he can build anything out of anything. And that's part of his huge value is like getting out there. It's like we need to catch something on fire, build this thing or drop this thing on this thing. Go do it. And he'll figure it out, which is so don't steal him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no. <laughs> I always said he'd be very good on production because of that. I wish I had him weird doing our production company because you're always yeah. like, you know, Finally trying to just get stuff to work. Yeah. yeah. Did you have a background in this or no? <laughs> MacGyvering. You, just, you just knew he was a MacGyver and it was time. Yeah, no, we went to uh, um, right after high school. We went to this one year college thing and uh, um, we were roommates. Yep. And um, that's where we met. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I learned that because he was always fixing my car. <laughs> He's like a mechanical genius. So like <laughs> I had this old 99 Jetta that was always broken. Uh, that thing was awesome. And he was, he fixed it every single time. And, uh, and so yeah. he's always been, yeah. Dale ran it into a pole barn once. Yeah, I yeah, crashed it into a barn. <laughs> crashed and, it into a pole and barn. And I got in the trunk and I was just like, <laughs> pop, and that's all when the you knew out. he was right for <laughs> the yeah. company. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, then you know several years later, because he lived in Florida, um, yeah. Orlando for a long. I moved up here right after that, and uh, it was like four years later, five years later, or something. I then started the company, and we were getting to the point where I needed another mechanical guy besides myself, and. Um, I was like, you know, Dave would be a perfect for this job. I just, he just didn't know the software, the, the SolidWorks program that we use. And, and I was like, well, I'm pretty sure we could teach him. So we flew him up here. I trained him on SolidWorks myself and, and he took off, you know, it took a few months. Were you guys moving along at that point or was it something where it was kind of a startup? That was deep It was before. still very startup-y when he joined. You were, he was number like. 12 or something I don't think you? it was even that much yeah. I don't I think know it was it, like right around the 10 range yeah. probably so it was he that, was still he was really early yeah before um, DP4 but it was, it was still about DP2 2 or 3 years into it though so like I said earlier today I heard, I've I've watched your promo videos before I knew your story when we first bought our first small HD from you but then today I heard a little bit more can you kind of tell us how that journey began and then some of the unique I mean, you guys have 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 a pretty cool story. I mean, as far as uh, winning the contest and everything that comes along the way, and going from someone who w was doing a a basement startup to competing with industry leaders. I yeah, mean, in right. in on a global scale. Right. So you just want to hear the story. Yeah, just give yeah. us a little story. Yeah. Well, I'll start it by just continuing the story I was telling you earlier. Yeah. Again, we birth the 12 um which was our first monitor um and uh i think at that point 
it was right around that time. No, man, I think at that point we were like, you know what, this could actually be a thing. Yeah, we listed that thing on eBay um, and actually sold a couple. We were like, eh, people would buy it. Let's, so let's refine it. So then we built, um, we designed the DP1. At that point, I learned some SolidWorks, and so I was actually learning some real tools, and so we were able to mill it properly, and it wasn't sheet metal, and um, I found the right panel. And, and somewhere somewhere in there, um, we... Uh, uh, got ripped off for like $30,000, so that almost killed us straight away. Um, but we were able to pull out of that and um, design the DP1. And um, we really, I think I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with the timeline here. Uh, it was either right before that or right after that, but we saw this Doritos contest. I'm pretty sure it was before the DP1. Um, we saw this Doritos contest online. It was it's called Crash the Super Bowl. Um, you basically uh, create a ad uh, you, had, you had very you had like this stock music library to choose from which was which was terrible and all these all these restrictions and rules you had to follow and we and i and i, and I came across the ad online like three days before the deadline the, the submission deadline so we stayed in the basement the entire night brainstorming and we just just would not leave until we came up with something um and uh and we we did we came up with this concept um wes uh my partner actually came up with the the primary concept of this girl walking down the street and a guy driving by eating Drios kind of checking her out and then as he's like rubbernecking he slams into a pole and the Drios fly everywhere and then the girl runs to his aid and then she trips and falls and um and all these like splashy images come up and we were just like you know kind of perfect that was the one and we all agreed kind of instantly you kind of know when you're when you're doing concept development um you know it's right when like everyone just instantaneously agrees and it's it's rare that it happens that people agree at all right let alone like that so we made that ad and um it became a finalist and then ultimately won the competition but the prize was only ten thousand dollars for that like being a finalist was a ten thousand dollar prize and that was it didn't being in the, aired in the super bowl which is the top prize was the was the prize um, so there's really nothing monetary with that but what that did was it accelerated our our production company a little bit um and uh, and now we were getting calls from higher profile clients and continuing continuing to um, up the quality of our work and that led to the 12 and then the DP1 and um, and then we basically decided we wanted to switch from production to the small HD company because is you know I like developing products like physical products it's something I really enjoy um, and uh, and it just seemed to be the the thing to do and and uh, so. Uh, we did that and then we so the dp1 um we came with the concept for that and then what we did was we said okay we, back then i was on forums a lot forums were like a really big deal they kind of still are now but not as much as they were and um i was uh just saying hey guys we built this monitor we're gonna do a 24-hour pre-sale um so it was basically kickstarter back before there was kickstarter and uh it was a 24-hour window people would come place the order and that that um sold something like 100 units or something and that we so we needed that money before we could actually go build anything in quantity so we like got the money ordered the parts built the monitor sent them out and that was the birth of small hd it was like our first product and that was about nine years ago we did that um and then we kind of hummed along there we're selling a couple dp1s a week or whatever nothing really crazy um and then we started working on our second product which is the dp6 and the dp6 a lot of people actually still know of today is our like you know one of our best products little five inch guy all milled aluminum um designed it but the minimum quantity order on the boards and stuff was just more money than we had and uh and then the the contest was coming around again it was you know a yearly thing and uh we were like man we really need this money maybe we'll just you know give this a shot and uh we created two ads that year they were both selected as finalists um and uh and then the the one called underdog which is about this dog like getting revenge on this guy eating doritos um uh got aired and um the way the contest worked that year was the usa today ad meter which is like this panel of people that run a dial during the super bowl commercials um basically ranks them and if you were to get in the top three you would there would be a, a payout so one with number first place was a million dollars second place was six hundred thousand uh third place was four hundred thousand i think and we came in second so of all the super bowl ads that year we came in second place in the ad meter so won six hundred thousand dollars and after our after we divvied up the money we had enough money to buy all the money went straight back into buying those circuit boards which is what launched the dp6 and that was the real launch of our company because that's dp1 was <laughs> um you know 
it was it's it was our first thing. It wasn't that good, but people still actually use it. It's pretty crazy. Wow. Uh, yeah, but the DP6 um, launched and uh, that started Small HD officially. That's crazy, man. You know, I think it's uh, it's unique because a lot of these guys that have been in the game so long, a lot of the other brands out there, it's easy to get comfortable with the position with where you're at yep. and the product you're doing, and it's it's a hard space to break into. So you were in such a unique situation. One, having the drive and, and, and the skill set, obviously, and be willing to sacrifice, but also coming into the game with – a capital investment like that and just giving you that mo momentum, yep. being on the cusp of something new. I mean, yep. it was all bright. Yep. Yeah, most businesses today, and again, if you if you go get your MBA or read books or whatever, I mean, the, 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 the strategy is come up with an idea, try to validate it, but even if you it, sometimes you do or you don't, go get funded, go around, do your rounds, try to get investment, and then go build whatever it is and see if it works, right? Well, this company had to be built entirely organically and entirely based on validation. You know, we, we cobbled together this the crappiest version of the product we possibly could and said, let's see if people like it. Put it on eBay. And so people bought it. We were like, huh, there's something here. People are buying this piece of crap because there's obviously a real need here. Um, so let's refine that a little bit and let's sell that. And then based on how we get that, let's refine that and sell that. And so that we had to kind of do it like that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 very uh, atypical, unfortunately. But um, it's just it's pure scrappiness and heart. You know what I mean? It's really about grinding every single day. You know, it was and and the the crazier part was that we were the most unqualified people in the world to do it. You know, and I think that's a key part part of the message is like, you know, you don't have to be an expert at any given thing or be it'd be truly special at any given thing. You just have to have the work and perseverance to learn about that thing and become the expert. But you can do it as you go. Because um, we knew had no electronic experience, no software experience, no business experience, no mechanical. I mean, we had zero experience in any of this stuff. And we just figured it out as we went. And as long as you, you know, take care of your customer along the way um, and, uh, and just are generally smart, about how you do things, I mean, you're, it's going to be fine, you know, and it's, and I think as a result, Small HD has this particular connection with its customer base that um, we cherish quite a bit um, because they see that we're real people, you know, they're just trying to make the best stuff we possibly can. Yeah, and you show that through your marketing, through those unique things like the flamethrower. Yeah. But you also th show it through your product. Uh, we were talking before, we have a graveyard of monitors, you know, and, and you saw what we have now. It's one of your older ones. It was... That's what when we we had like I said a line item this year on on revamping all of our monitors. We knew we were going with you guys because it literally outlived everything and all the hell that we put it through. Yeah. So that says something. I think honestly, like I think there's something at work. I don't know what it is with that particular monitor because there's no reason. I mean, I'm not saying something that I should probably say on, on, on a podcast, but there's no reason that that monitor should be that durable. I think it's just what it's, it's harboring all of the, all of the will that we had at that time in its soul or something. And that's what gets it through every day because, um, that product was born out of a hundred percent, like pure will and necessity. Like the DP seven was this product that we thought we could build and we couldn't. Um, so we got way over our heads, both financially and, and just in every possible way. And, um, and we needed something that would get us out of that hole, threw together the AC7 as fast as we possibly could, and it was a huge hit. Um, and it's, uh, and, and again, if, don't, I don't recommend this, but if you look inside, you'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, don't look inside. <laughs> so, so since then, you've progressed. Yes. You, you you brought uh, a whole line of, of of gear for us to check out. I mean, you you are defining the standard at this point. Yeah, we're trying to. I mean, we really, I think, have a different philosophy than anyone else out there in terms of the you know our comp our competition. You know, there's the guys that have been doing it for 20 years that just. I don't know, forgot what innovation looked like or just lost the, the, the passion or, or whatever, right? Or just so corporate that they, you know, don't really understand that people in this industry are extremely passionate about what they do. Um, and, and they get really emotional and they care a lot about the gear that they use. And, and, and so 
Uh, they like to identify with brands um, or people, not so much brands, but people that have the same level of passion that they do for their for their work. You know, you guys go out and you create videos, you know, in Haiti or whatever, right? And and uh, you know, and you see, you go through extraordinary efforts to do this stuff. And and I think people like seeing that we go through the same amount of effort to make the stuff that you use to do that. And um, and that's we put a lot of passion into our products. We don't just think about the product spec sheet which is a, what a lot of people do right they they design for the spec and they and they put some glossy marketing around it and i think marketing is actually one of the things um we could improve in um and it's just i think it's the it's the, the the way we think about these experiences as a whole by you know like okay well if we make this monitor well people need a way to power it and they need a way to shade it from the sun if it's not a bright monitor we need a way to mount it to the camera um, and we really try and cater to those things holistically while we're designing the product. Um, and uh, it just makes us different. And we, we always, we've always tried to target durability, build quality, screen quality. Um, and we and we really, just the way we name our products even, I think is different, you know, from, from the other guys. Um, and it just shows that we, we, we think about this thing on, on a broad level, you know. It's not just, okay, how can we make the nut this month? Let's just do what we got. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's easy as a founder or business owner to, to get stuck in that too. I mean, we talked about that at lunch, you know, yep. setting those goals to keep the culture alive, to, to yep. keep the brand on track. And, and the employees have a lot to do with that. The team has a lot to do oh with gosh. that, the vision. Yeah. Um, you guys are, are buds, you know, I mean that that's rare for the founder. Once there is momentum and there is, you know, retail partners and all these other things to really be in the trenches with everyone. Yeah. Um, so I think that has a lot to do with it as well. What, what do you think, uh, Dave, on on how that culture reigns true? I know that you guys had said it's it's difficult as you grow with some of that stuff. How, how do you guys keep pushing the limits with that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it has, like, I, I always go back to when, when I first started. It was like we were in that small kind of area and, like everybody was like new kind of what everybody else was doing and everybody was excited about it. And now, you know, we're kind of separated into different areas. Now assemblies over here, you know, finances over there, marketing, sales and R and D, you know, so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to get everybody all like kind of rallied up and all on, you know, the same culture basically. But that's, I think that's normal when you have that many people, um, you know, 40 plus people working all together. Um, but like you know R and D, you know, which is where I sit all the time. It's, it's just, probably one of the most exciting, isn't it? It, it is fun, and it's it's especially fun for me because I get to basically do stuff that, you know, nobody else even knows about. You know, for for a few months even. Yeah. Um. You know, I you know it comes from Dale's brain, and uh, I go and do all this stuff. Um. You know, do stuff mechanically and draw stuff or make prototypes for NAB or whatever. Um, and that's that's a lot of fun for me and you know being being creative like that I really like a lot um, so you know but like you know with like stuff like this where <laughs> I've actually only gotten recently uh, really into like using a camera and stuff and it's mainly because of this monitor it's just made it so much easier the focus um, just trying to get um, familiar with shooting and stuff and now as I'm using it I'm like oh, we need to do this we need to like make this function do this or make this bracket do that um, just it's getting ideas. that plays into it it's like yeah it's just like it with our world it's like editing your own stuff is going to make you a better shooter because you're going to be like I yeah. should have held that light I should have held that shot longer or yep. I yep. didn't get enough content or what the hell was I thinking on that so how how much is it with uh, growth strategy and how much is it with adapting to the needs of your end users with you guys? I mean, I'm sure you have stuff that you're thinking of all the time. I think I want to do this, but how much of it changes just with experiencing a shoot or talking to one of your end users or anything like that? That's what drives it entirely. I mean, we, we have our financial goals, of course, but um, we, we never – I don't think we've ever done anything purely because of that. Uh, I mean, every time I go to an NAB show or any show, I come back with a giant list of suggestions or recommendations, and we 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 go through them. We don't implement them all because sometimes you just can't or whatever, but um, or sometimes they're dumb. But uh, you know, at the same time, you know, a lot of our uh, most of our product decisions are 
um, not really uh, born from people's recommendations, but they're definitely influenced heavily by them. But a lot of it's so really just like straightforward stuff that sometimes I just go, why didn't I think of that before? You know what I mean? Like with the focus is it, it's a particular example where um, I bought an A7S like eight months ago. Um, and I, and of course, you know, I was shooting with it and I was like, okay, well I need a monitor, obviously. Um, I stuck a 502 on there and I was like, oh, it's so much better. You know, and I, this is, this is, this is awesome now. And then even just using that monitor, I was like, oh, we should do this, this, and this. And I was like, just reflecting on that and thinking, you know, if you're shooting like this with a handheld DSLR, a monitor, in my opinion, after having used one, is a complete necessity. But so why are there X amount of DSLRs out there and 0.1% of X of people actually using a monitor? There's There's got to be a reason, whether it's awareness, price, functionality, or whatever. And I said, so we need... Because you know, because if you know, I know I need a monitor because I know it enhances the experience. But as if I were a regular shooter, would I be willing to pay a thousand dollars for that experience? Even if I knew how awesome it was, probably not. I mean, for a thousand dollars, you can go buy a lens or you know something absolutely necessary. Because um, at the end of the day, a monitor is not absolutely necessary, right? In my opinion, it's heavily, um, you know, uh, welcomed, but it's not absolutely necessary to to film something. Um, so I said, guys, you know, we need to make a $500 or less monitor that you can see outside that comes with a mount that solves the cabling problems, that solves the power problems, that gets out of your way instead of adding more problems. Because most of the time you, you buy a monitor, you get it out of the box and you're like, great, this does nothing until I buy five more things and figure it all out. Okay, I need a battery, I need a mount for it, I need cabling, I need to get those cables the right length and the right style and, and I got the chargers for nice screen protectors and sun hoods. I mean, it's just like it goes on and on and on. And that's a humongous barrier, right? And I just want people to, 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 to think, okay, well, if I put down the $500, I'm going to get all this stuff to be taken care of, you know, and that's what the focus was about. And that's really what small HD is about, is about, you know, thinking through all the little details and just making people's lives easier for the best possible price we possibly can, can make. Cause you know, when we started out, we were kind of in that $1,000 price point for a monitor, right? DP1 was about 1000 bucks, DP6 was about 1000 Um And then we did the DP4, which was like 700 bucks or something. Um, and then and then kind of since then, we've kind of gone higher and higher and higher. We really ended up in this very high end, which is fine because that's where really a lot of innovation comes from. You have the, you have the room up there to really um, invest in technology and really, you know, uh, because early early on technology is very expensive right but then as advantage of that we get to then as it matures take it down compress it and re and kind of rebuild it into a much smaller um cost effective package and the focus has everything our three thousand dollar monitors have in terms of functionality but it's 500 bucks and you can see it outside and it comes with the mount and it comes with the cables um, and it, so you put it on your hot shoe, it doesn't take up your hot shoe, it replaces it with a cold shoe, so you can still put a mic there, or a light there, um, you know, there's just, it's all these little experience things that every other monitor company just throws a monitor at you, um, and, and, and then I'm not, and I'm just, that's just ergonomics, right, then there's the actual software, and how terrible it is most of the time, that was the number one thing from the beginning with the DP1 and DP6 and all the other early monitors, even the AC7s, the menus, on that are just atrocious and it's not like we wanted them to be atrocious it's just we that we had no choice but when we designed this technology um, that was number one we had a kind of few must-haves it was must boot up fast must have no latency must have a great user interface and those things we spend an enormous amount of effort on because you know um, that's what makes that's the smallest recipe is to just continue pushing those limits well yeah and as a user you want to know when you turn it on, it's going to work. Mm -hmm. And when you're in the middle of nowhere, like we were just talking about, you can depend on it. Yep. And, 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 and like we were talking at lunch, you know, that's been a huge selling point for guys like us is just saying we have the gear that can get it done yep. because we, you know, we depend on things like, like you guys supply. Yep. I think a good analogy is, is the Apple PC analogy. You know, it's like, you know, there's a MacBook sitting right here that you could go buy an equivalently specced PC laptop for probably half the price. But everyone buys Apple laptops because the experience is just all these little things that add up to a greater user experience, right? You can't really point to one th 
big thing that says this is why I buy Apple. Maybe it's made of aluminum, but you can go buy aluminum PCs. Maybe the screen is great. There are much better screens on PCs now. Right? It's not that one killer feature. Maybe it's OS X, but you know, that maybe the only valid one. But still, it's, it's, it's a string of lots of little things that make the Mac OS experience what it is, and that's what Small HD is as well. Again, we may not win the spec war every time, but I think we'll win the experience war every time. Yeah, I mean, that's huge for you guys is almost being able to see what we want as consumers and as videographers. I know when we were in talks about you guys coming down, I had a list of gear, and I was like, we really want to see this, this, and this. It'd be awesome. And you already knew we wouldn't like that stuff, so you brought other stuff, which we ended up <laughs> loving. So you just kind of you're expecting, and you're kind of reading our minds and innovating is is awesome. Yep, exactly. Because there's an old there's a little quote of um, Henry Ford saying, "If I asked people what they want, they would have said they wanted a faster horse." Right. I think there's truth to that, but there's also other things that you could you could argue about that quote. Um, and you know, Steve Jobs definitely said, "Customers don't know what they want," and blah blah blah. And I, I think that's partially true, but also. Um, somewhat untrue but i think in this case it's like the 13 inch is a good example right like 17 has just been the industry standard for this century for whatever reason someone a long time ago made a 17 inch monitor for whatever reason probably because it's sold out of a laptop i don't know um put it in a monitor that became the industry standard size for client monitoring or focus monitoring or whatever and um and so when we went to make larger monitors we said, okay we have to have a 17 because that's what everyone wants and so we made the 17 and then along the line, we said, well, we have this 13-inch that we think would be really cool, but no one validated the idea. And everyone, no one said it was going to be a good product. Um, and I was like, screw it. I think it's great. I mean, it's going to reduce the size but size and weight by about half. It's the same resolution. Um, we can make it nice and bright because it's smaller and easier to do so. We can bond it, which is really a great little feature because it's smaller. There's all these little things that gets you. Again, it's about the experience. And then we built the thing, and now it's our best-selling monitor and, and the best-selling large monitor because it just – I don't know what it is. About, we were actually sitting in a conference room a couple of days ago talking about – we were arguing over, okay, we have this, our two best-selling monitors are the 702 Bright and the 1303 HDR um, in terms of, you know, for their classes or whatever. And um, – and we're just trying to understand why. What about those monitors do people like so much? One of these other monitors that don't do well at all or whatever. Um, and, and I was like, is, is it a coincidence that our best two selling monitors in their classes are both optically bonded monitors? Like that, I don't think, think people notice that. But is it it's just a coincidence? I don't know. I think it's just a clue to, again, the user experience thing. It's just like a couple, it's a bunch of little things. And optically bonding is one of them. But that's kind of a tangent. But, you know. Well, I, we pre we preach this all the time. I think that anyone who talks to me is kind of tired of me saying this. But you know, when you're when you're competing on such a high level with the world's best, whether we look at it on our end for production companies or you guys are looking at it for product companies, it's the little edges that separate you. And the more you can add, the 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 more people are going to want it. You know, and uh, I mean, you guys you guys have made it happen. It's easy from the outside looking in, like. And that was you guys. You guys won that money. You're good. That's how you did it. But it's it's the sacrifice. It's the innovation. It's pushing your team. It's everything else that goes into yep. it that people don't see behind the scenes. Yep. It's and the that, risk. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. It's been a little bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you mentioned team, and I think that's you know, I, small HD has been like the best college ever in terms of. Um, just the amount of education, the things I've learned, what's what to do, what not to, and any future endeavor I ever go down, I'm going to have that knowledge. And I think if I were to you know tell someone what's the most important thing I learned at Small HD, it was it was the team. Is you be relentless about hiring and only hire when absolutely necessary, and hire the right person because man, it is all about the people. It is the most singular, most important thing about about any company, really any collective doing, trying to accomplish anything. Um, I can't stress that strongly enough. At Small HD, um, you know, our successes and failures have been directly linked to the quality of the people there. Um, and it's something that I regret early on not paying enough attention to. Yeah, yeah that was a good one. That was a good bite. <laughs> I mean, good. it's reality. I, I, can, I can attest to it. Yep. Yep, it's reality, man. So I know we connected at NAB 
the last day you guys were basically packing up yeah, when I was, we walked I was by. five minutes away from walking away yeah we we yep. just caught you and uh found out you guys were some gun guys and we invited you down to go and shoot but uh besides the stuff you guys had at nab um i know that was really cool you were featuring a lot of stuff but what's next for small hd where you guys headed what's coming what can we expect yeah um talking about product wise right product wise sure yeah yeah uh so we obviously have this focus is our next main thing coming out we've talked a lot about um shipping that in june taking pre-orders now um and again this is just i wanted to take everything all the the really the the soul of all of our other monitors and package it down into something really, really cost effective. And I think we accomplished that. Um, we have some other pretty cool stuff coming out in the next couple of months. Um, uh, we have a, some OLED stuff coming out in, in small form factors, um, which is pretty cool. We have a little, a, a 502, which is a lot of people know the 502. We've sold quite a few of them because it was the first monitor we launched on this platform. Um, about two years ago, ish. It's, just, it's the thing that goes in the side finder. Yeah. Um, that monitor. So we're launching kind of a, a big brother to that um, at some point in the future. I'm not going to say when because they'll get mad at me if I do. Um, <laughs> and uh, but that's it's, it's going to be a 502 bright essentially. So we have the 702 and the 702 bright. Right. It's going to be kind of that sort of deal. Um, the 502 bright is, I think, going to be really well achieved because tell me that brightness thing is the best thing we've done. Is people love the brightness stuff, so we're really adding it to everything that doesn't have it. Essentially, we're kind yeah. of going through that process. Um, seven, we're coming out with a new 17-inch bright, uh, which we actually showed at NAB. We're coming out with a new 24-inch P3, which is our color accurate version of the. So I had a 17 in here earlier. I was showing you for the color accurate one. We're doing a 24-inch version of that. Um, Maybe some more optical stuff, side finery stuff coming out. I can't really say what or when. Um, but, yeah, we've got a, quite a few things in the pipe. Am I forgetting anything? I feel like I am, but I don't really have it sitting in front of me. That's most of it. I mean, the bright Can thing is huge. You it had is huge. Is that something that you guys got requests for, or is it was just like, we can make this brighter? It's a need. No, no, that was, that was purely a um, just it's obvious. You know, again, most of the stuff is obvious if you're looking in the right spot. The um, funny thing is about the brightness, though, and this is something I've spent a lot of time beating myself up over, um, is, you know, we, we launched the production monitors. When I say production monitors, it's the large stuff. Um, uh, at NAB last year, it, it really was a disaster. Like, we should have at NAB with these large monitors. Um, and we were, it was early that we were a little behind in the development process, we really forced these things out, um, and put them on NAB and, and they didn't look good at that point. Like they were just really rough prototypes that we were showing. Um, the color was all over the place and, and it just, and so they got a really, really bad reputation kind of off the bat. Um, and, uh, and so we've been kind of going through there trying to fix that The 17 P3 is kind of part of that effort. The 24 P3 is part of that. Um, and then we're going to do bright versions of both those as well. But the thing, the funny thing is about the production monitors was the bright thing was huge for the on-camera stuff, right? I mean, we just saw the, as soon as we did it at a cost-effective price with a 702 bright, I mean, that thing took off. I mean, it was crazy how fast that thing took off. Um, and that was obviously in because it wasn't anything different. It was just, it was just brighter, right? Um, and it was seven inches, and so you're like, okay, this bright thing is resonating with people clearly. And so when it came time to do the production monitors, I said, you know, here's a problem with production monitors, and it's the reason we waited so long to do it um, was Sony OLED has just a death grip on the production monitor market. Like, they make these OLED monitors. They're the only ones that make them. They won't sell them to anybody because they're mean. Um, and, well, they, they did, and then they, and they got everyone addicted to the OLED, and then they then they said, oh, never mind. No one can have them anymore. And now we're only, you can only get them from us. Now, there's still other manufacturers that still make them um, because they're running through last time buy stock. But but that's essentially it. Um, but they make that. They're Sony, right? They can do that. No one else can. Um, and so I was like, I'm not going to go and make these big monitors because I just can't compete with that image quality. I can't make OLED and I can't buy OLED. So what, am, what are you going to do? And I said, you know what? Okay, what if you make them durable? What if we make them bright? You know, because I don't see why someone wouldn't want to be able to see a large monitor outside since they love seeing the, the, the small monitors outside so well. 
Um, and uh, and a couple other things, you know, that we did to make them unique um, in the amongst the large monitor market segment. And, uh, you know, and we, and we did that essentially. And it's just been very mediocre in terms of response. You know, it's just we, we're not seeing the the adoption that we were hoping we would see um and i and i don't and i spent a lot of time reflecting on that i spent a lot of time asking people why um i i just you know the brightness message just hasn't worked on these monitors for some reason as well i don't know i mean i think at the end of the day once something becomes a standard like that like the sony oleds just all people want it that's all they ask for they just say you know DP just came from working a job that has Sony OLEDs, and he liked the image. Now every other job you work on has to have Sony OLEDs, right? And it doesn't. Really, it's, it's about the decision making. Um, it's a little bit different, I, th I think, with the large monitors where the on-camera stuff. A lot of times the operator will bring their own stuff, right? If I'm a focus puller, I'll bring my own monitor. If I'm a camera op, I might bring my own monitor with me to the job, or whatever. But I think the large monitors are specced by the DP sometimes, and sometimes the DIT, and I think they have. A different set of criteria and it's all about color fidelity and color accuracy um, and viewing angle a couple other things and so um, I don't know it's just been a big challenge for us um, I'm not even sure what I got on this topic but I'm just kind of ranting at this no, point. No I think it's I think it's got insight it shows you know in 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 just like you said there's in in our world in filmmaking just like your background people are emotionally attached to the product they yeah they're putting out and that's why they want the best gear i could see it in your face when you were talking about that you're you there's an emotional connection to the product you're doing you know i mean there's a true yes. passion behind it and uh i keep saying it i think it reigns true man i i really do uh we see it in the products we see it in the marketing we see it in in your team uh and that's a big deal that's yeah. hard to keep especially when you're competing at such a high level yeah yeah, so I would just, you know, I think we did this demo at NAB showing our new P3 products next to the, the, the OLEDs, and they really hold up quite well. And, um, you know, if you can if you can live with that that image that's almost as good as OLED, if not better in some ways, um, you also get the durability, the reliability, right, which we've talked about is inc so incredibly important. If you're out in the middle of nowhere and the gear goes down, it's just the worst. Um you and I've heard those Sony LEDs are terrible, just terrible about reliability. They go down all the time, and they're amazingly expensive to repair. Um, and uh, and you get there's a much better ergonomic experience. You get a much better software experience. There's like a million reasons why you'd want a small HD over a Sony OLED, um, but just people get you know set in their ways, and it's hard. It's hard to change that. So if you're listening to this, I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> We just saw a couple outside too. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, again, the bright the daylight stuff, yeah. literally means daylight. Yep. I mean, you had a booth outside at NAB, yep. and you had—I mean, your monitors were killing it. Yep. I'm telling you, the brightness, just not having to worry about it. You know, I don't know. You guys tell me. I don't ever use them on shoots, but <laughs> it's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big. You're trying deal. to like and cover it with your shirt and stuff. It's mm -hmm. not fun. And and there's some manufacturers that are that make great sensors and great cameras, but. Yep. The screens aren't as good. Yep. And that's one of the other things, too. I was talking to somebody, I forget, um, about the – I asked what guy, what kind of follow focus system you guys use, and he said Red Rock. And I was like, oh, that's cool, because we're actually doing some integration with them, um, some really cool direct integration stuff where if you use their system and you use our monitors, you're going to be a really happy customer in the next few months. So keep an eye out for that as well. Are you? Can you talk about any of the other integration stuff that you're doing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're um, we're in early talks with Defy. Um, do you guys ever use any Defy stuff? Mm -hmm. It's really kind of nichey. I mean, they have like cable cams and, um, and some other like camera movement stuff, but not so much gimbals. Um, and then Freefly, we're in early talks with as well. Um, like I said, Red Rock is another one. You know, I'd love to do Red at some point, like we talked about, but that's you know up to the the guys that make a lot more money than I do. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, the big integrations are, are something that um, we're, we're spending a lot more effort into because, again, there's just – I think this market is just full, chock full of confusion in terms of 
what can do what and what works with what and what doesn't work with what and and just compatibility and cabling and mounting. I mean, it just gets so confusing. That's just on the camera side, let alone the lighting and the sound and the grip stuff. I mean, I mean, it's just it's just crazy. And um, and so yeah, we're just trying to make people's lives easier in every place we touch, you know. And this is one of them. Well, we have, you know. Like for the wireless thing is a good example, right? We showed this this integrated Teradek thing at the uh, um, at NAB, right? Well, you're buying wireless systems and you're buying monitors and you're having to glue them together with some sort of rig that there's cables flying everywhere and they're heavy and awkward and, they, and it's just like we have the ability to solve a lot of these problems, you know? And and uh, so the Teradek one is is something we're we're doing uh, currently. Uh, I think it's something I totally forgot to mention earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah, tell us about that because that more and more are we experiencing shoots where we're doing multiple cameras, yep. a lot of run and gun. We're sharing. Like if if we're on a if we're on a shoot with Under Armour, they're going to block off the streets, and while they have all this stuff, all the permits, all the vehicles, everything, their athletes, they're going to have they're going to have their their photo team out. They're going to have us out. They might even have another camera team out doing something else. And it's important that you're able to mobilize and, and, and see what's going on and make it happen fast. So tell us about what you have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think wireless is just one of those other obvious things, right? It's it's like, why wouldn't I want to stand here and see what the camera feed without having to follow it around, right? Um, it's like on larger productions where there you have a team of guys that are dedicated to moving your tent next to the camera so you can so you can see the see the feed in, the, in a controlled environment or whatever. Um, this is just uh, in lieu of that, and it, and it's you know I want to be able to walk around and see the camera at all times. I mean it's just and again to build a dual camera setup. I mean you're talking to two monitors ideally that you can see outside, two receivers, and all the crap to make it work multiple batteries sometimes if they or not you know one that sucks just sucks dry in a couple hours all the cabling and a lot of i've seen these double ones like the horizontally stacked ones or whatever they're like this wide it's just ridiculous so we're really trying to com um, combine that at any we have this one that uh has um our 703 ultra bright which is like you guys saw super super bright outside um had two built-in bolt 2000s it's technically a two and a three thousand. Two thousand three thousand. Um, uh, and then we were running it in portrait, so you had the images A camera and B camera kind of stacked on top of each other, and you could even put in a, a waveform on each of them if you wanted to, and configure it however you want. Um, and one, the handles were on the side. I mean, it was just super super cool, right? And we if we if we go to make that product, you what you'd be able to do is so we have the handles on the side again that the 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 monitors kind of rotated so it's tall. Um, if you wanted to see a single feed, but bigger, all you do is rotate it back and now it would just go boop, you know, to one full screen image and you go back to the two. And that's the kind of stuff, the type of integration and the type of software work that I think only we can do because of the technology that we've built our, our brand around and, uh, and again, our relationships with people like Teradek and, uh, Red Rock and those guys. So looking back on 10 years of, of progress and sacrifice and risk and close calls, how do, you know, how does it feel? I mean, it, yeah. is it, does it feel real? Has it just been fast-paced and you know, do you soak it in all the time or are you still just got your head down and thinking about what's next, what's next? Yeah, a couple things. I mean, number one, it's like they it's just exactly like they say starting a business is a roller coaster it is it is really high highs and really low lows and it's very lonely sometimes as well i think you know i'm not you guys are really close knit here so i imagine you still feel sometimes though the the weight of the responsibility um you know and and uh and you're in control basically of everyone's livelihood and and their families and and you know and as that grows it just can gets heavier and heavier and there's a lot of lonely moments when you're just super stressed out but you can't show it um you know we went through some really really rough times a few years ago um and uh yeah i mean there are moments i thought we were going to lose it all several times i mean there's i mean if you it's just again reflecting on this it really comes down to perseverance because we should have been knocked out a dozen times. I mean, there's there's good reason today why we should not be here, um, for several reasons that I could bore you with. But it's it's just amazing 
how how much the just the will to move forward how far that can get you um you know just i think you almost become numb at times to the problems because it's just it's it's consistent it's the one consistent in business is you will have problems um and you just kind of learn just to take them in stride and keep a straight face and and uh and keep going and you know like for for a while there my house my partner's house and his dad's house were all like on the line with the bank and we were racking up debt and it became really scary there for a while we thought we were all going to be homeless and um and we, you know we've made it through and sitting here today and i think we're we've really climbed out of a deep pit we really did and i think you know it sounds drab but at the same time i mean here we are we have a great lineup of, of monitors i think we're really leading the way in a lot of key areas um and it, and why did it work? It's because the passion is there. I mean, I just love making products, especially for this industry. I mean, it's just like if you're not thinking about it in the shower, I always say, then you probably shouldn't be doing it for a living because because um, that kind of tells you what you're really passionate about, you know. And it's like products like the Focus, they just don't get born out of – that product doesn't get born from a boardroom right from doesn't get born out of a boardroom it gets born out of a real need by a real person you know that's trying to solve solve it so um and that's essentially what what we can still do you know and so we're 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 a decently sized company now but um my goal is just to keep it like that you know products born out of a real need for something that real people are going to want and not get stuck up in that oh we can't launch that product for five hundred dollars it's going to cannibalize our more expensive higher margin stuff you know like it's just, it's constantly challenge yourself um don't worry about you know because i think it's, as long as you stick to the principle of you know make your customers happy at all costs you know um it, it may may look a little uh financially unviable at times or whatever you might get worried about stuff but at the end of the day if you serve your customers and they're happy with you it's, it's going to work out you know i think that's ultimately the kind of culture you know small entity has that's awesome man that's great i think that on that note that was a that was a uh huge takeaway and just just from the small amount of time that we've spent together today uh from shooting to eating lunch to chatting about this senior toys i mean like i said it shows in both you guys, it shows in your product, and um, it shows in your brand and, and your reputation. So we just really appreciate your time coming out here today and sharing a little bit about your story and your product and, and what's coming down the pipe. Yeah, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it was awesome. Super fun. fun. The shooting was sublime. Yeah. We'll, we'll do some more shooting soon. <laughs> hey, do you, have, uh, do you have small HDs in your house as your TVs? No. They're not big enough for my no, house. No, no it's definitely yeah. not my house is not big, but like I have, I'm like a huge TV guy. I'm yeah, like, yeah. I think we just created a necessity. Yeah. I, I was thinking in my head, like, I wonder if they have that in their house. No, the biggest one we make is 32, and that's you know maybe big enough for a room or something, but not yeah, a living room. No other unique. You don't have them mounted in your cars or anything unique like that. No, no. I, I really, was, I remember that project. I had, a, I have an old 70. Yeah. I used to have an old 71 Bronco, and I actually cut a hole out in the dash sized for a a, a dp7 oled yeah. i was yeah. going to going to install in there but i never did yeah i cut that hole out no, that's no. Too big. yeah that's a good hole yeah well, <laughs> i thought i'd ask you know because i wear i wear like an ironclad t-shirt or hat every day yeah. it's not because like uh, i'm proud to wear i just like you know You're not proud to wear it well, I'm proud. It's not. That's not the reason I'm wearing. I'm wearing because I like it. I yeah. like it better, you know, than the yeah. other brands. So, like, if I, I figure, if you guys are watching TV, you're like, yeah, this isn't any good. I don't. Want oh to yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge display snob. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. my! Like, if I walk into your house and you have like that motion adaptive crap on, yeah. or you know, or yeah, go yeah. In there and turn it I will off. mess with your settings <laughs> to fix it. So, what TV do you recommend? What's I have what's your TV the, uh, of choice? I have the 4K LG OLED in my living room. It's a fantastic TV. I got it on sale i got a huge discount on it which is the only reason i could afford it but it was um that's a beautiful i mean oled is amazing yeah so any of the lg oled stuff is gonna is gonna be awesome not again, sony though don't turn that motion adaptive stuff off man that's my my biggest it um, ruins public it. service announcement here is turn the motion adaptive stuff off your tv everybody it ruins everything. People don't even know what's on there. Oh, That's I know. The it gets yeah. ships like, on by well, default. Yeah, and you it's look at terrible. it, it looks like a high school play or yeah, something. Yeah, I know. <laughs> everything looks like it's like Days of Our Lives or it something, and it, it's the worst. Awful. Yep. 
It's crazy. And they, the manufacturers ship it as a default setting, and they should be murdered for it. Why do they do that to us? I don't know. How's they ruin they, our work. They hate their exactly. customers. Yep. They ruin I our know, work. Exactly. I look at it, and I'm like, this is what we did? Oh, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> I know. We suck. Yep. Yeah, and that's the other thing with the whole like HDR thing coming along. I can't imagine how they're going to butcher that. You oh. know, like HDR is beautiful when done well, but I'm nervous about it. But that's another topic. Hey, it's just one of those things. We got to adapt. <laughs> adapt. Well, we appreciate it, guys. Is there any other? I think we're good. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I think you guys killed it. That was great. Great stories. Everything. Cool. And we'll cut this part out where I'm talking. Maybe. Unless I sound cool. You do sound I rarely cool. sound cool. Trust me. I hate hearing myself. <laughs> I hate hearing my own I, voice, I too. This he, is, this I, is, I, I hate hearing this Yeah, it's, it's been hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, guys. We appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Ironclad Podcast. Make sure that you subscribe on iTunes. Make sure that you leave us a review, any questions that you may have. Also, follow us on Instagram at This Is Ironclad and also our website, thisisironclad.com.